0: Welcome to another episode of Footballers Only. I'm Mike. I'm James Pinay and we have a special guest.
1: I'm Biko Okgijifi.
0: Nice, nice. All right, Biko. Let's 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 just get right
1: into it. Where does your football story begin? Oh man, that that that's a deep question because I'm gonna have to say from from the womb. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Because I feel like, you know, some people on this earth, man, they grow up, they don't know what they what they want to do. They pull in all types of directions, but football was was right there in the crib, you know? Yeah. And um, I would have to say ever since I was walking, man, like, you know, I, I luckily had my father around where I was following him around everywhere. And um, I started my journey right there in Malcolm X Park or Meridian Park. Yeah. And I was playing with you know, I mean, I was a little bit too young at the time, but um, I was right there in Malcolm X Park. I was right off of Blair Road, um, you know, playing with uh, or watching the games of, uh, I mean, TNT All-Stars, Jamaican Nats, uh, Malcolm X Generals. Um, I mean, you know, the, the, the Bob Molly tournament that was – what was that? Was that at PG County? Uh, school, I mean, that, that's pretty much where, you know, where I came in. So my father from Trinidad and, you know, I came up with that Caribbean, you know, perspective and that culture. Um, so that's, that's pretty much where football started for me. Yeah. And so,
0: um,
1: did you, did you have older siblings? No older siblings. I got one younger sister and she also played as well. Um, Actually, did, did did pretty well actually too. Played played through high school, um, but you know I, I was the eldest.
0: Nice, nice. So you so you had to set the standard. So at um so you started playing. I mean you know at, at birth, and then at what point did you
1: started to take it serious? You know at what age like yeah 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 yeah. I mean um you know there were definitely moves that i that I was trying to make in and around the, in my high school years, but um like I said, man, it was really kind of from the womb like I honestly didn't really want anything else, you know what I mean growing up, it was really just about ball everything else was was pretty much uh, secondary. Um, I did grow up in something of a conscious household, so I was very aware of what was happening out here, you know to our people specifically, which is I'm glad about that because that's kind of the work that I do now. Um, but I would definitely say towards, you know, my high school years is when I went, I wanted to be on specific teams. I wanted to get to showcase tournaments, um, you know, and I was just like, you know, I gotta, I gotta make these moves to get to this college and I gotta make these moves to play for this team. And, you know, so it was, it was pretty much serious from ever since.
0: (laughs) Okay. So, so as a, um, you know, as a kid growing up, obviously your dad and probably uncles, et cetera, were,
1: you know, people you look up to, but did you have other football idols? Yeah, man, Um, definitely. You know, uh, I I actually had, a, you know, like when, when the World Cup was actually here in 94, um, you know, I collected all of these cars, man, like all of these cars, and I had so many of these cars or of all these players. Of course, Arnon, Ronaldo, you know, looked up to him. But I have to say, one of my first was uh, George Weah. It was George Weah. And, um, and again, that was something that, you know, my dad put me on to, um, you know, just him being, you know, not only African player of the year, but world player of the year. You know what I mean? That was That was definitely one of the players I looked up to um, growing up. Definitely George Weah. Um, you know, I'm an Arsenal fan, right? You know, I'm an Arsenal fan, so <laughs> – Dennis Bergkamp, hands down, scored the goal of the century. And I'd love to argue with anybody that, that wants to prove me wrong. No, I,
0: I've, said, I've said it on here. I've said it on here that that's, you know, that's one of the, the top goals of all time. But, um,
1: all right, hands down. <laughs> um, but, yeah, man, so, you know, guys like, man, George, George Ware, Ronaldo, um, to be honest, I mean, geez, man, I, I was even just having this conversation with my sons the other day. Um, I re- i mean, I was a huge Bayern fan, huge, huge Bayern fan. So players like Lothar, Mateus, and um, you know, that was like really, really looked up to him a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, nice, nice. Okay, all,
0: right, all right. So, so since you you already started, yeah, we just going straight. Yeah, we we have this question that we always ask, which is, who are your top eleven of all time? man oh yeah time is that <laughs> okay look, all right so here's, here's something else i have to say it doesn't matter what you say that people are going to get at you right yeah, so yeah. this is something yeah. like everybody have to get comfortable with there's, there's, there's really no right answer and there's no wrong answer you know what i mean it's just your answer um, yeah. so yeah and it could be it could be uh you could do, it's up to you. You could do all forwards, you could do all goalies, all midfielders. You know, it doesn't matter as long as that is 11. But you're top 11 of all time.
1: Ah, okay. I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. Um, Okay. Well, I already mentioned George Boyette. Got to get him on there. Mm-hmm. And um, I was really inspired by, it was probably like that 2012, 2013 Barcelona team and uh, Andreas Iniesta. I mean, this guy is just the smoothest. I mean, and it's taking nothing away from any any of the, of the other players on that dream team. But, um, yes, the man. I mean, I talk about him to my players a lot. Um, definitely R9, Ronaldo. <laughs> um, I think – I mean, even just trying to describe him is, as as a as a striker, it's just he's just so pure. Yeah. Um, I would definitely say Ronaldinho because I think he's the epitome of what Flair is. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, man, hmm. I mean, it's, it's easy for me to say a lot of attackers because I, you know. You know, I growing up playing in attacking positions. You know, I'm always looking at them, but I definitely have to give some respect to Franz Beckenbauer. Um, I think, you know, back in the day, I was put on to some of those some of those older players and some of those older generals Mm -hmm. um, of the game. So I would say definitely Franz Beckenbauer. Mm -hmm. Also, one guy I got to drop on the list, uh, my man Hector Cubillas, and this is a guy from uh, Peru. It just literally put his country on his back, um, so you know got to put him up on there. Also, uh, Eusebio, um, from Portugal. Mm-hmm. I think uh, a lot of people know about Pele, obviously, but I mean Yosavio, man. I mean he was he was really doing it. I'm Not even sure what number I'm on right now. Maybe like you're six, seven. Seven. You're seven. Seven. seven,
0: seven. Okay.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: i was um, gonna say you're uh, you're the first person on here to name the Black Pearl. So, you know, you, you get extra points for that. I enjoy
1: my man, George Way. all right. Yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 Black Pearl is Eusebio. Eusebio is the first person. Oh, no, no, you just said, oh, I thought, you, I thought you said the first person. I said, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. And,
2: this is George, we at home, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: No, 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 I mean, we're, so, like, I'm Liberian and Nigerian, and James is Liberian. So, I mean, we as, you know, amongst the gods.
1: So, yeah, yeah. I mean, and now that you mentioned that, <laughs> I mean, my son was just listening. He was just watching these highlights of uh, – I mean, I can mention Okacha. I can mention Okacha. Top 11 from all time. That's I don't the, know. But honorable mention. All right. Honorable all right mention. So, so <laughs> we'll
0: have <a> coach as honorable <laughs> right, we'll mention. So you still have seven. You still have seven.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, Gotta put uh Roberto Carlos on there, but either him or Marcelo I think are really interchangeable um to be honest man um you know growing up, I really idolized uh Jorge Campos mm-hmm. I gotta throw a goalkeeper up on there yeah. because he could he could do it all he could play, you know yeah. what I mean and he had he had the gumption to come out and get and make something happen
0: yes
1: indeed. um. My other favorite player. Man, yeah, I gotta say, Henri. Gotta say, Henri definitely was a part of that Invincibles team that made me fall in love with Arsenal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so I gotta, gotta say that. Um, and then I I, I put, uh, I'm not sure what it is about, about Italy, but you know. Anywhere from Maldini to Alessandro Nesta, I feel like defenders wise, I mean, those guys were just, you know, they, they kept things sewed up. Yeah, that's
0: a, that's, a, that's a great list. I mean, yeah, that, that generation, that generation of Italian players. Uh, yeah. From in Serie A as well. Yeah, I
2: mean, yeah, even, yeah, even
0: that league. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah okay.
2: For sure, for sure. A question, right? So you said, like, you know, you grew up. Uh, like your your father taught you the game and stuff like that so I wonder like growing up especially for a young black man where or black kid where soccer wasn't even popular uh, what what is it like when you was playing soccer when you was young in D.C. or in the D.C. area was it
1: it, that's that's a deep deep question man because with my father's influence Mm -hmm. um, I already had like the culture the Caribbean culture and also part of the African-American culture within the area Mm -hmm. Um, but my dad was coaching a lot so I I found myself on teams in McLean um, you know and even when like the whole ODP things first came out you know it was majority like you know these white privileged kids and um, so that experience and that's and that was during some times when I was going through those adolescent years so Um, You know, I was experiencing different things, having different conversations, um, you know, you know, bunking and rooming with with white players and, Mm -hmm. you know, learning about them, them learning about me. And, um, you know, during those ages, you're 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 growing and you're still learning yourself. So I could really only be myself. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think a lot of those players learned from me. Um, and I can even think back a couple of times, I mean, uh, you know, what, in some of those uh, ODP camps, I mean, we would, we would actually in our rooms just have these discussions surrounding race. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because we kind of realized that we were, you know, these African-American kids with so many of these like white privileged kids around us. Like we knew that we knew that it was like we were different somehow, like in somewhere in, in that in that area, you know, in that sort of uh, environment. Um, You know, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think uh, I had too many like, you know, bad experiences, um, but I definitely, you know, I definitely learned a lot just observing and mm-hmm. just watching, you know, different players that, that I was, you know, playing with so yeah
0: did you you know you, you growing up in your household uh, i take it you you also when you visited trinidad as well at times
1: really? oh yeah for sure for sure the first time i went i was probably maybe like well the first time i went i didn't remember but the next time i was like six okay
0: and so when you obviously you know the way it is back home is you go that's what that's what you do as a kid, right? You play ball, you know, <laughs> like you play the neighborhood, you play whatever it is. And so, you know, what what's and so you 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 had this, you know, vision or you know, you could see in these different worlds, right? You had you, were, you visited Trinidad and there's a certain culture of the game, and then in your household there's a certain culture of the game, but outside of your household, there's the American, you know, culture of the game, which is not much, you know. There's not much football culture here. So, how did you, how did you? One, one did you notice there was a difference in, you know, the way you and your family talk about football, and when you, you know, when you went back, back to Trinidad, uh, as opposed to here? And if you notice it, how did you deal with the differences in, you know, these different communities?
1: Um I mean I think the the differences was something that motivated me. Like I wanted people to know that I was all about football. I wanted people to know that I my I was I, I'm from here, but my family wasn't really from here. You know what I mean? So when I was when I was in those situations, I would talk about it, you know, pretty proudly because I really wasn't one of those, especially like like you mentioned the culture here. You know, I went to public school all the way up into high school and like you know, with people when they tell me like, well, they would just assume I'm either playing basketball or football or something like that. When I tell them I'm playing soccer, they're looking at me like soccer, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, you know, these were differences that like I celebrated. I almost had like a chip on my shoulder. Like, yeah, I play ball. You know what I mean? Like it was, it, it, it was like, uh, something that I let sort of motivate me. And, um, you know, it's part of those differences that I that I saw, especially as I was in sometimes I was in teams where I was maybe the only black player. Um, I just noticed that it was just different for them. This that was just and it was kind of, that's what the American thing is, you know, like you got your white picket fence, the kids play soccer on the weekends and then they go, you know, that's just life. You know what I mean? Like you go to practice, blah blah blah, but like for me in my household, this is like like ball is life like that's what we that's what we do you know what i'm saying like it's practice every day or we're in the park or at malcolm x park every day um you know games every weekend you know there's no off season you know um even up at uh tacoma Rec. you know we're we're there playing with the elders you know what i mean so like i could see that and i was something of a, a quiet i was a little bit more chill you know i wasn't like super super outgoing so you know, I would just notice these differences. I, w- I would notice these differences in some of, you know, my, my peers that for them, it was like on the weekend, all right, we'll get back to regular life for, for me, you know, this was, this is what ball was, you know, and this is what life was. It was just, you know, my, my father was coaching, you know, he coached at Bowie State University, coached at Washington soccer club, Virginia ODP, I mean, high schools, like everywhere. So like. I was following him around with him, and that's pretty much, um, you know, what it was. So those that was really some of the the biggest uh, biggest differences. I celebrated them, um, and then you know, at times when I was just kind of at home, I would you know we didn't really have cable, but I could turn to channel twenty one, and there was a there was a, a show called Football Mundial that would come on once a week, and that was the only kind of football that I could find on TV. There was no computers, no YouTube. It was Football Mondial, and, I mean, it just, you know, I was just ecstatic, you know. Anytime I saw football soccer on TV at all, I was just like, man, this is is great, (laughs) you know. Uh, no, no, yeah. okay,
0: yeah. A couple of things. One is, so you didn't, you didn't really watch a lot of uh, games, like as, you, as a kid.
1: Um, my dad had a box of tapes, right. and um, those tapes were, um, professional clubs from Trinidad. Um, some of them were, uh, you know, old World Cup games from like the seventies, yeah. um, and the eighties, some, like the early eighties. Outside of that, I really couldn't just flick on the TV and find soccer. Um, yeah, really almost, almost never. Um, it really wasn't until I got older that I was able to just get, like, more access to it. Um, but turning on the TV and just watching soccer uh, outside of, like, Univision, you know, and Telemundo, I, I couldn't really find it that much. I just, it's just what the, the old tapes that I have. And I still have, by the way.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, those, those are classics, classics. So yeah. the other question I was gonna ask um, was, did you ever, as a, you know, you mentioned your dad coached at all these different places, right? And as a child of a coach, did you ever play for your dad?
1: Yeah, quite a bit, quite <laughs> a bit, quite a bit. Um, I played for him a couple, on a couple of occasions uh, in Maryland. And this was out of a uh, – first it was like a younger rec program out of Lanham in Lanham, Maryland. Um, and then uh, there was another – it was like an MSI team, I think, that, that we had. Then in McLean, which was like a travel team. Um, but, yeah, quite, quite often I played, like, on his actual team.
0: Yeah. What, what, was, that, what was
1: that experience like? Uh, looking back on it now, and then having sons of my own, right. I can kind of, <laughs> you know, I can understand a little bit of how, of why it was a little more harder on me. Um, but you know, as a young man, you're you're looking for your father's approval. You know, you want him to, you know, give you that reinforced, you know, that that uh, that approval that you know you're doing good. But he was on top of me. You know what I mean? He was. Like, you know, I remember at one particular time I missed a penalty. <laughs> and after, at the end of the game, he said that that was the worst penalty that he had ever seen. <laughs> and I was like, damn, man. Like, you know, I felt was, you know, you're crushed at that point. But, um, but you know, it, it, you know, typical, that was a typical thing. You know, you hear that, you know, with, with, with the father-son relationship. You know, he was hard on me, but at the same time, we had a lot of those good times. You know what I mean? Just in the park, um, me watching him play. Um, we actually yeah, got a, a chance to play together in, in the, the I don't even know if the Bob Marley tournament still happens. I,
2: mean, I don't think they do it anymore, but yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So like we, you know, we played together, not on TNT All-Stars, but. On, uh, it was one other team called the Angelics, which was on out of uh, Andrews Air Force Base. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, playing under him was also one thing, but then with him was kind of like, you know, uh, a, a new sort of like a good thing
0: too. Yeah. Oh, cool. oh, so with that experience in mind, how are you approaching your your voice with the game? Yeah, I mean. <laughs>
1: it it, the situation is is a little different um but at the same time you know i'm careful to maintain that balance where i'm not um you know too pushy or like like too like overly you know on top of them so that they don't want to play um and at this at the exact same time they're very young i mean my my oldest just turned 10 Mm -hmm. And then my youngest will be eight um, in May. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm very much letting them gravitate towards the game. And it's happening uh, naturally. They got a tournament coming up this weekend that they can't stop talking about. <laughs> so, you know, and then, um, you know, so it, it's been good getting them to other training sessions, other coaches coaching them. Um, but, I mean, just as a father speaking, it's just been an absolute joy. I mean, we go to. The court, we call it to the court, and we play 2v1, 1v1, you know, and we just, you know, we just, we just go at it. And those are things that, you know, they're building those skills um, at the very same time. And I'm going to put it on the plate for them, like, hey, look, just kind of like that question that you threw out, you know, when it's time to say, you know, this is serious, um, then, you know, we'll, you know, it's, it's go time.
2: Yeah. Also, also, you mentioned ODP, right? Uh, how was that experience like? And then, did you play any higher, And like, do you have any other uh, experience outside of o- ODP?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, for ODP, I mean, I, I can't really say anything about ODP without thinking my my mother really, because she really like penny pinched to put me through that ridiculously expensive program that didn't need to be all that expensive um even some of all the trips i kind of missed out on i mean i remember at at one point in time we were supposed to go to italy and scotland but i mean you know i wasn't really able to go i even you know went around to different businesses like you know looking for sponsorships and like you know things like that to help pay for those things because it was so expensive um but um you know the the experience was good it was a higher level of play um, it definitely gathered a lot of the, you know, some some top, top players. You know, um, I think there was still plenty of talent to be had, and ODP kind of X'd a lot of those players out because of how expensive it really was. Mm-hmm. Um, but nevertheless, some top players that I think con- that definitely continued on and, and played. Um, and throughout that, um, you see, even out through throughout high school, I did play for DC United. This was probably one of their first academy teams they started putting together. Mm-hmm. And this was through from their U seventeens to their U19s. And that was a really, really awesome experience. We got to play in some some top top showcase tournaments um that I was really, really excited about. And um, you know, that's one of the serious moves that I really wanted to take so that I could get looks from colleges and other professional coaches. Um outside of that i did play for the northern virginia royals which was a u23 team for um a while we were up on tour up and down the east coast um that was an awesome experience and then um, there was an expansion team of that crystal palace team that was here in baltimore for some time and um i never signed a contract with them or anything like that but i did train with them for a good better part of the season and um even that was just an awesome experience just playing with, you know, those players and just watching um, different players come in and out of that team um, Mm -hmm. from overseas, local, um, you know, from across the country. Um, So just being a part of that was was really, really awesome. And then I guess a little bit later on, you know, I played in the Washington Premier League with different teams. um, Who played? Yeah, I I know you remember that. I remember that. (laughs) I know you remember that, um but uh you know, so, and even that man was just like uh, i just love being in that that atmosphere where players are around each other, pushing each other, and um they're trying to get to to top top level, you know
0: cool cool so where where are you now in your football journey?
1: Well, I've been coaching for the past ten years, um so Coaching and you know some of the licenses that I've been able to acquire has turned into a career. Um, I was just actually having this conversation with some some good friends of mine that I've grown up playing soccer with. Um, that's really how I got into coaching because the atmosphere was to coach with them, and we were able to create the atmosphere that we had that really nurtured creativity and skill. Um, so it's been awesome being a part of that the past ten years, and then you know having my sons. Also see that, um, but by no means am I done. I mean, I'm the type that's uh, to the wheels fall off, if you will. <laughs> now, um, you know, I'm still mending a couple injuries here and there, man. But I'm, I'm hoping over the next few months, um, you know, if if things could, you know, if things progress, um, you know, I'm, I'm right back out there, man. I mean, footsall. Um, even the club where I coach right now, they have, a, they have a pretty solid funnel into a professional team and even professional football team. So, um, you know, I'm just getting off the injury list, man. I'm, what, 30, 35 now? I'll be 36. So, you know, I, I'm going to keep going to the wheels fall off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, so, so what do you – what would you say is the most challenging thing in your, where you are right now, right? So you're in these two worlds, you're a coach and you're a player on the injury reserve list. What, what would you say is the most challenging? I mean, um,
1: it is it is always a challenge because at heart, you know, like you're, you're I'm a player, you wanna play. So, you know, that's always a challenge because you know, you, you, just, you just wanna play, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, you know, as you get older, you know, obviously I got my two sons, you know, I've built a career teaching in Montgomery County public schools. And it's like, you're, you're, you're constantly faced with this work life balance. Um, So you would like to, you know, sometimes just drop everything and just go play or do do what you want to do. But oftentimes, it's not quite like that um and, but at the same time you kind of learn to embrace that and enjoy that because that's what challenges do challenges they make you stronger they grow you and um they show you new things about yourself um so you know it it, it is challenging in in one sense where i'd like to be you know more active than i am now but you know um you know it it, it definitely slows you down sometimes and and speaks to you and um you know, then you learn more about the game.
2: Mm-hmm. So with that being said, uh, what do football mean to you? If you have to describe football, what does it mean to you?
1: Oh man, it to me, football for me is is love, it's connection, it's uh, it's just pure enjoyment. You know what I mean? Because um, football has connected me with so many people, just so many people. Um, you know, and, you know, even to this day, like if I'm somewhere, whether I'm coaching on in a game or if I'm just, I mean, I was in the, in the mall the other day with my sons and I stopped and chopped it up with a guy that I played indoor with. And I'm telling my guys, my, my sons, like, you know, I used to play with him. That's, that's a baller right there. You know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, it's just, uh, when you, when you sit back and, and, you know, think about all the connections you know what I mean, that, that it's created. It's just, uh, you You can't help but to be thankful and blessed to be a part of it, especially in this area, the close-knit area too. Like, you know, I didn't really, really know you guys personally, but if I saw your faces, I knew that we were connected through both mm-hmm. at some point in time,
0: yeah.
1: you know what I mean? And I, and I love that, I love having that feeling, I love seeing that, that's just, that's the awesome feeling for me.
0: Mm-hmm. What would you say is your worst mistake, as a, either as a player or
1: as a coach? Mm, man, worst mistake. I think when I was younger, um, maybe in my earlier 20s, I probably made some of the similar mistakes of a lot of 20-year-olds. Um, I was super passionate about the game, but was probably part-time in the time that I wanted to actually dedicate to it. And I got by a lot just on pure talent. And I didn't really um, focus as much as I could have. Um, And I was very much caught up with, you know, just being young, man, I wanted to, I was trying to go to park and love and dream. And, you know, I was trying to get, you know, have this chick's number and, you know, this girlfriend, that girlfriend, you know, that was, those things you, you can look back on and see how much of, of, uh, that there are distractions. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you learn from it, you, you grow from it. So, you know, I, looking back, you know, it, I, I would say there was a few mistakes, not just being more focused on, you know, that ball life, you know what I mean? Cause if, if, if that's what the situation, if that's what it was, you know, I would have just said, I would have packed up my bags and head to this city and, and see what's up. Head to the next city, see what's up. Head to the next city and see what's up. And, be you know, and just and live that football in life. But, you know, I, I was distracted with other things and I entertained those um, distractions. Um, coaching, you know, at one point in time, as I really started getting into coaching, especially the club where I'm at now, I definitely gave a lot of energy to, you know, getting licenses and, and things like that. And I think they're good. You can learn a lot from them, create more connections, but I mean, ball is, is really here. So when you're coaching, you, you really have to emanate that and you can't be too focused on the, the national, you know, BC, you know, I mean, they're really good. Believe me, I'm not, I'm not hating on any of that, but like, if you can't bring your, authentic, your authenticity to it, um, those licenses mean nothing. You know, they, they, they mean nothing. So um, as a coach, I think at one point in time when I first got into it, I was thinking to myself, like, man, I got to get this, I got to get that, I got to get caught up. Like, this is what this coaching thing is all about. And, and it's really not. You know what I mean? Like, it, it is part of the, the game, just like in any career um, but I would advise coaches not to get too caught up in it. You know I mean? If, if you're dedicated here and you can give that passion and commitment to your players, um, you can create something beneficial for them for sure.
0: Yeah, well said. You've been coaching for 10 years now, so you, you have some experience seeing coaches
1: worldwide. Who would you say is in your top five? Um well like I said, I mentioned Pep's team and, from Barca and um I don't know if you guys saw, but I think it was it, I'm not sure where it came out. I mean Pep is with City now, but it came it was like the documentary following him around with, with Man City. I think it came out on like prom video or something. Kind of took you into his locker room a little bit, but even before that, I could tell that Pep's like his dedication and his love for his players i mean that's how he levels players up um you know just what he demands from them and just just how intense he is um and that's something that i i definitely learned from because if you bring that intensity to your players and they'll bring that to the field um man other coaches um you know, to be honest, I, I followed Zedorf's campaign when he got to AC Milan for a short bit. Um, I don't think they did him right. Um, um, but, I, but I do think that he, he definitely embodied in his team what he was as a player. Um, and just, you know, just that strong, solidified player. Um, and so I think that, you know, I, he impressed me with what he did during that little bit of time. I try my best to follow some of the interviews and, you know, the post games and just the the matches in in general. Um, But definitely say I would look up to him. Um, uh, Man, are they – well, I mean, I got to shout out Arsene Wenger because that's, you know, if for anybody to create an invincible team – you gotta be a, a bad dude, man. I mean, you, <laughs> I mean, you, you have to, because um, I think his eye was just so keen. Um, and I think his tactics and his strategies um, were just, you know, were so him, but they were also very uh, creative, you know, to be pretty competitive in, in such a top league, um, you know, so everything from down from their training regimen to their diet, you um, you know where they trained and in, in the off seasons, and the environments that he put them in to make his team more cohesive. Um, definitely, definitely him. Um, the coaches, other coaches.
2: Yeah, is that three right? Yeah, that was. No, you said five. Yeah, two more.
1: Uh, let me see. I would I would probably have to look into that a little bit more. I, I will say, and just thinking off the top, um, I was really really impressed with what Tuchel did at Dortmund. So this was before PSG and before um, Chelsea. Now, obviously, um, I think that he had that Dortmund team at such a, a competitive pace that it was just electric. And um, I was really, really impressed um, with him there. And um, yes. and I, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, Reichardt, stu- he, he, he sticks out to me because I was always a fan of, of Dutch football. And then what he was able to do at Barcelona as well, um, but I, I I can say that I feel like there's still a lot that I would could learn from his campaign there at, at Barcelona too. Um, but I will I do remember thinking back fondly on Rykard being at Barcelona and what he was able to do.
2: Yeah. And that's a top list. Well, you forgot my boy Jose, but it's okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but here's what I would say: honorable mention. So I, I'll say that I'll say that I would say Mourinho because, and I'm actually one. If, if we sitting down and, and we having a conversation, I will defend Mourinho. I will. Would I wouldn't bash him. I wouldn't talk about him parking the bus and all of that. Yeah. And it, again, it's because I had the opportunity of seeing. I tried to follow him specifically mm-hmm. when he was at Chelsea. And if you looked at some of the interviews, and these are in articles, interviews from his players um, mm-hmm. personally, and they were the way they would talk about him. I mean, they were so emotionally attached to him that I'm like, that's how you get players to win. That's how you get players to win because he created such a strong connection. I even think they did him dirty at at, at Manchester. You know what I mean? Like, I think he should have stayed. He should have been there. Shouldn't have got rid of him. Yeah. Maybe they was going through something of a slump, but if that's a top team, give him the players that he wants, let him create those bonds and those relationships. And I mean, you know, Mourinho, top coach. And I think that if Tottenham treats him right, you're going to see a surge. Mm-hmm. You're going to see a surge in, in Tottenham. So, you know, I I guess I left him out of that, yeah. of that list. But, yeah, um, yeah you, I, I'll never bash Mourinho. Okay.
0: So, <laughs> quick question. You, you you, mentioned Cedar as a coach, but you didn't mention him as a player.
2: Hmm.
1: So, I mean – Zedorf, I, I mean, you know, again, we. I could put, I could put together a whole another, <laughs> uh, a whole another, you know. <laughs> I'm just so, wondering because usually, like you
0: know, like for me, for instance, right? If I say, uh, so Sedan so is one of my favorite players, all right. Yeah. But he's also one of my favorite coaches as well. Um, and of course, you know, people have all this stuff to say about Saddam as a coach. Uh, etc you know he, he has the dream teams and all this but of course I, I you know I, I study him so I, I can argue against whatever they have to say and so the fact that you named Cedar you know as a, your top five coach I was surprised that you didn't mention him as one of your, your players as well so that's what yeah no no
1: nah, nah, I feel you and I mean to be honest well he let me see a couple of these players weren't weren't um weren't coaches but I mean, I could have definitely put Makalele on there, uh, you know. It, it, there, and he, I say, he's not a coach, but there's a couple of players I probably could, could definitely could have mentioned as well. But I, I was able to follow Zedorf just for a little bit of the time there, and I was really, really impressed. Um, so, you know, had to throw, had to throw him up there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Nice,
2: nice. So you, how you mentioned all those coaches, right? So you as a coach, what is your tactics? How do you get your players like prepare for a season or a game?
1: Yeah, I mean, the first step is is the mental part. Mm-hmm. It's really the mental part, and that's all the energy that and I bring to the field. Um, and, um, you know, when when I prep my team for a particular season, um, you know, it doesn't really matter, you know, who it is or what, what level they are. I'm letting them know that, like, we're going for the top. You know, we're, we're going to win this league, and we're, we're going to be competitive um, because part of my job is to bring that competitive nature out out, in, out of them, um, you know, to really get the best results out on the field. And, um, you know, that's some, that's something of the team perspective. And then I also, you know, create all these individual relationships where, you know, I basically lay it out to players like, look, you know, I'm not here just to have you play or put you as a nine because you're super fast. You know what I mean? I, I want you to raise your level up. I don't, I'm not just trying, I'm not here to use you here. I'm trying to, you're here at the end of the season. I want you to be here and then maybe another season and I want you to be here. So I'm going to make you uncomfortable. I'm going to put you in other positions. I'm going to make you use your weak foot. And, um, at times, those are things that I'm, I've seen that like they kind of scare players a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because a lot of the players that I coach are actually from like that community that I was mentioning where like, you know, we just sort of do this on the weekends and then, you know, we, we go home. You know, it's not like life for them. So at times that's kind of a challenge, too, because, you know, I'm, I, I speak as from what my experience was and I couldn't wait to get back to practice. I couldn't wait to get back to, to training. But sometimes, you know, I may have groups that, you know, this is just what they do on the weekend. They're probably going to go play basketball and then violin. And then after that, if they get back to soccer practice, if they make it back in time from their vacation in the Bahamas, then they'll come to the tournament. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll speak my piece to some of these players. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm careful on how exactly I'm, I'm going to motivate them. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, I, I get them to be creative and express themselves and just have fun. You know, have fun on the ball, have fun with each other, have fun at training. And, um, you know, there's one particular group that I've had for the past three years now, and they, they're really getting that. We, we really have that really fun atmosphere. And when you create that atmosphere, you see players start to express themselves in ways that they hadn't before. And um, that's a joy as a coach to see that.
0: Yeah. What do you, what do you think you do differently than other coaches?
1: Differently than other coaches. Um, Hard to say. I mean, I I, and and to be honest, even as an educator, one of the the things that we do in in the classroom is we get a lot from each other. So, I mean, well, a lot of things that I do sometimes on the field I get from other coaches. I mean, I'm, you know, even sometimes when I'm seeing you guys playing and coaching, you know, I've I've been to your training sessions. I'm just picking up little stuff here and there. Maybe it's something for a drill. Maybe it's the way you address the team. Um, So, you know, I have what I bring, but I also, you know, learn from other coaches. Um, but as far as maybe a complete distinction, I, I did notice um, at a couple of, uh, I remember at one particular club where, where I was coaching at Maryland United one, at one particular time, um, I was excited to move players around and get them out of their comfort zones, um, and I, particularly, I specifically saw one player. I was like, you're a good – you could be a really good central midfielder. Wasn't really the strongest or the fastest. Um, so it was a little risky right in the center of the pitch. Um, but I put her in there. And, um, you know, I think a lot of the other coaches, you know, they they probably looked at that like you just need to put your strongest team out there and then that's it. Like you just – that's how you need to rearrange your team – and um, you know, I remember having some conversations like, "Look, you know, we're playing. I think it was a U11 team. I'm like, yo, I'm not. I don't care about winning the U11 World Cup. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to, uh, to develop this uh, this young midfielder that I have. And you know, I think actually she's still playing. She's playing in high school now." Um, which has actually been a joy. I mean, there's there's several players that I've coached that are going into college now. It's been really, really awesome. But um, I do distinctly remember at some particular clubs where, you know, I wasn't just there picking the top players, putting them in the top top positions and let's go win a tournament. Like, you know, if I got a player that I think you're going to be good in the center of midfield, you might miss a ball or two. You know, you might not win this tackle, but, you know, you're going to be exposed to a new position, new touches that you got to do, you know, you know, everything just in that position. So I, I'm not really afraid to do that, even if it means we lose the game, um, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that if I'm coaching, you know, if this is u 17 state cup, we're going, you know, we're going for the cup, you know what I mean? But if, if this is u 11, specifically u nine to u 12, in those developmental ages, um, you know, I'm moving players around. I'm moving them around constantly, constantly, constantly. So that's that's one thing that I like to do.
0: So you know, given what you just said, how do you communicate this this piece to both the players, parents, and you know, if you're coaching at a you know a club or whatever, obviously the management and the the DC. Um, how do you communicate this to them, especially given that, you know, this is not something that's a big part of uh, the, the football culture here in America, right? It's just focused on um, winning, winning, you know, like you said, winning the, the U-11 World Cup. <laughs> um, <so laughs> that's actually a hilarious concept. <laughs> I, I mean, that's what some of, some of these folks really think that's what it is, though, really. You I know. know. <laughs> I can see. I can see a cartoon. <laughs> like, maybe it's something we need to work on. Develop a cartoon for the U11 World, <laughs> World Cup. <laughs> yeah,
1: if you can make it a, 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 a sketch comedy, the U11 yeah, World, yeah. World Cup, man, that I'll be dying laughing. I'll help you produce it.
0: <laughs> but no, So how do you how do you communicate this to all those everyone? You know, even uh, like I said, the player, the parents. The other coaches within the club, the D.C., et cetera. Like, how do you manage that, you know, that communication
1: thread? And the communication piece is is definitely important, especially with some of those parents, um, because some, you know, a lot of the clubs where I've I've been, you definitely get that push where you want to make sure the parents are comfortable and they feel like they're being communicated with. So that's definitely been something of an art that I've had to um, develop. Um, but when it comes to like you know me, you know getting players to express themselves, moving them, and getting them ready for that, um, you know, you know if if uh, if I tell my son you know like you know they if they're playing their their tablet on their video game, you know, all right it's time to get off and I just go and snatch it away, you know they're gonna be like whoa what you know what I mean but like if I prepare them like yo time's ticking, you know what I mean then they're a little bit more receptive to it so. When I, when I have my teams, part of prepping in the, in the preseason is prepping their minds for that. And I'm like, look, be ready for this. It is coming. I'm going to move you around. And you'd be surprised at just how much that, you know, players begin to sort of ease their stress levels, knowing that, you know, they're going to be moved around. They're going to put, get put in, uh, you know, different positions, uncomfortable positions and then they become more receptive to it because they realize that once they get into these other positions, they're like, Oh yeah, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. I can try something else too. And the next thing you know, they're welcoming it. And you know, if they're welcoming it, they're like, Oh, look, mom, dad, like, I, I just played the nine today. Like I almost scored. Like, mm-hmm. and you know, parents are like, you did it. We'll pay more money. Go back. <laughs> <You know laughs> what I mean? like, and clubs are going to love that. You know what I mean? So like, it's really a mental thing I prep I prep them early I prep them early and I sort of frame it to them in a way that's going to motivate them like look you know just because you've been playing you know whatever coach told you you were just fast and you've been stopping everybody so you're going to be in defense this whole time doesn't mean you have to stay there you know what I mean like you can push up you can attack you can use your 1v1 you can dribble here um you know and and the one part that I pitch to parents that really, I think, is um, is effective is that, and you guys know as coaches, when you're evaluating players, you can look at, a, at hundreds of players and not one of them stick out. And what's going to make them stick out is, um, you know, mentally what they're able to do in the game and their confidence. Um, so when I tell players that – you know, I'm going to move you around and they get confident in other positions. Now, when they go to a showcase game or even just a high school tryout, the coach notices something different about that player. And it may be when they decided to take a player on. It may be um, how they decided to take a player on. Um, It may be how the coach uh, tried the, and during the tryout, they were a defense, but then by the end of the tryout, they were playing an eleven. And they're like, man, wait a minute, yo, this, this player, yo, we got to get this player. So, so parents then can see like, look, you know, your, your child, if you're serious about this, you want to play college professional, you know, you want your child to be more marketable. If you're just, if you have your, your, your child as a player, that's a robot, like hundreds of other players. Sure. They might have fantastic first touch. They may be able to ping a ball from here all the way to the attacking third right but so what a lot of other players can do that um so when I preach that creativity piece and getting them out of their comfort zones, it's sort of connected with that and I get I get parents and players on board with the fact that look if if you're serious about this you are going to need to stick out in some sort of way um, you're going to need to impress a coach in some sort of way and um realistically speaking I don't get everybody. I'm probably only going to get a small percentage of that group that are really hearing me and that are actually going to take it to that level. Um, and I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? If if that means that they get picked for that college scholarship or ODP or overseas or whatever it is, you know, um, you know, the best of, best of luck to them.
0: Mm-hmm. What's your ultimate goal as a, I mean, you know, you're both, right? So you're still, you're still dreaming of, of coming back from injury and playing. So, what's your ultimate goal, first as a coach and then as a, you know,
1: a footballer? Um, well, I mean, I really enjoy both a lot of different sides of coaching. I enjoy coaching at that competitive level where it's so cutthroat that it's like there's no room for anything else. Like we're going for the for the cup and that's it. Um, so. I definitely want, you know, to experience more sides where I'm at that competitive level um, and reaching as high as I can possibly get, um, whether that be state cup, regional, national, and this is in futsal, you know, outdoors, whatever it may be. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm also um, still very passionate about that developmental stage Um, you know at the earlier stages especially now as my my two sons are are very young Um, so I'm very much dedicated to that and then um, I do have a long-term goal of eventually just becoming a scout um, because I think that there's something uh, to be it's almost like an art in itself to really evaluate players and um, really see talent even if it's not all the way cultivated yet Um, and being able to almost kind of you know, plant a seed in a player, like, I like what you're doing, and then watch them, watch them grow. Um, so I would love to be a scout in that uh, sort of, a, you know, that, in that perspective. Um, and then uh, playing wise, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm to, the, to the wheels fall off. So I'm always going to be playing to some extent. Um, but I do believe that, uh, you know, my sons, when they watch me, you know, they're already watching and copying many things that I do just almost verbatim because they, they watch me and they follow me. Um, so um, I'll continue to push myself and, and to the highest level that I could possibly get purely for them. I mean, it would be awesome for me, but I'm, I'm OK with that. But I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. But um, I think it's a it's it almost feels like a duty, you know, as they're still watching me um, to continue Pushing myself, you know, as much as I can for them to see. Uh,
0: That's great. I mean, you know, it's, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I'll say our last question. What is your most memorable moment as a player?
1: Memorable moment as a player. Hmm. It's involving a goal. I just gotta pick one. Uh, um, I I would have to say that uh, it, it it was I believe it was like a tournament match. This was probably like U eleven, maybe like U eleven, U twelve. And um, playing with players that I still communicate with, you guys know. Um, and you know, I think it, I think the context of it was that we needed to win, so um, I, you know there, it was very high stakes. Um, but the reason why it was so memorable was that when I scored, I mean, like the the feeling, like the elatedness that I got from scoring that goal was just like none other, you know what I mean? Like, it's just almost as if like when you see a game or if you even at the stadium and they score a goal and then the stadium literally erupts, yeah. like, you know, you can just imagine the eruption of that actual player. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's no one in the stands, the parents were around, but <laughs> when I scored that goal, I mean, my body was just like, uh, I was just like, you know, it was just an incredible feeling so um yeah I, I would have to say that that was probably my most memorable moment yeah uh,
0: that's that's beautiful maybe with, we use that in the, the u level
1: <laughs> exactly yeah, like, how it ends, you know. What I mean, like, you score. And then, oh. Yo, I I did something with my arms. I did something with my arms where I was just like I couldn't control the energy that was that was in me, and I was just that that excited, man. But you know, it would be awesome to to capture that.
0: <laughs> uh, um. So, how can people get in
1: touch with you? Any social yeah. media scandal? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely coach underscore Biko. Um, I think I've had that handle for the past couple of years now, and I use that usually just posting things with the teams that I'm coaching or coaching with my son. I'll probably be posting some stuff this weekend with my sons getting ready to play. Um, and, um, you know, my email has probably been the same for the past 10 or so years, bKujiffy at gmail.com. And, um, and, yeah, man, that's it. Anybody want to get in contact, you know, anytime. I'm always down to talk football.
0: <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. And, uh, you know, we enjoyed the conversation.
2: Yeah, thank you.
0: For Mike, pretty, pretty appreciate you guys, man. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. All right, man. y'all.